Now, Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Welcome, welcome to the Two Guys at a Mic Show, TalkZone.com. Thank you very much, Mr. Announcer Man, for that outstanding intro with you right up until 11 o'clock. The Big Dog and the Coach talking sports and more. A little bit more than sports sometimes. And we do it with you. You want to check in, you can always do it at our award-winning 10-digit phone number, which is 1-888-463-6748. It's Residue Tuesday today. Always one of the highlights of the week, Residue Tuesday. We pick up some of the seepage. Some of the stuff we didn't get to in yesterday's show from the weekend that was. And we start glancing ahead at some of the activity. we got baseball, a little football action on the docket, NASCAR race yesterday and more. All that and the award-winning music of our producer, David Olson. Look through the sports page, uh, David. I, I was reading, I can't find it right now, the injury report for week two. Another uh, pretty vicious week of NFL football. A lot of guys out, a lot of guys injured, significant players. And uh, we, we mentioned in week one, it almost always happens. In week one, where you lost, what, uh, you know, Eric Berry, the star safety for the Kansas City Chiefs. Biggest one from this particular week, I think, is uh, Jamal Charles. Star running back for, yes, the Kansas City Chiefs. Boy, they're off to a rough start, 0-2. And they lose their star running back and their star free safety. But uh, the one that caught my attention the most, to welcome again, everybody, our phone number if you want to check in. Big Dog, hope we're going to check in in a couple of minutes. We'll uh, pick up some action from the weekend, Residue Tuesday. We didn't get to college football at all yesterday, so I want to bring up some of the collegiate football games. We'll get some bear football residue as well. But, uh David, the one that killed me with the whole injury report is Tony Romo. You know, I'm always kidding, you know, dislocated shoulder, tape it up, get him back in, you know, ACL, just, you know, tape it up, pop it back in, get him back out there. Tony Romo apparently uh, uh, played the final quarter in the overtime, which they won, and he made a, a not a touchdown, but a long pass to and They kicked the field goal to win it in overtime. But apparently he played with a fractured rib and a punctured lung. Fracture, so the report comes out in today's paper. Yeah, Tony Romo uh, has a fractured rib and a punctured lung. But then my favorite part was the, the uh, quote from head coach Jason Garrett. We uh, fully expect him to play again next Monday's game. <laughs> it's like, I, eh, just a little punctured lung, you know, tape it yeah, up. Put a, yeah, put a little Bactine on it yeah. and get back out there. <laughs> we fully a lot of sympathy from your coach. We fully expect him to be back out. You know, he's got an extra day. Apparently, they're playing Monday Night Football next week. Speaking of Monday Night Football, I was not able to uh, stay awake for the – I didn't watch any of it, to be honest with you. Who won? St. Louis and the Giants. I think it came down the, – Yeah, you know, the Giants won. Giants I know the Giants did. won, yeah. Big? Uh, not sure. Okay. Not sure. All right. You know, and I never was a long-time Monday Night Football watcher and, uh, you know, as a – Semi-award-winning sports talk host. I probably, uh, you know, should be tuning in, staying up late, but what the heck. But I, but I had mentioned before that I think Monday Night Football is losing a little bit of its luster. I could be wrong. 
because I've never been a super big Monday night football guy, except when the Bears are playing. Uh, well, I shouldn't say that. Not never been. Back when it first came out, the first five, eight years when it was really new, really fresh, uh, Don Meredith and Frank Gifford and Howard Cosell, uh, back then it was must-see TV. But it has been over the, whatever it's been, 30, 40 years that it's been on, it's dwindled a little bit. Now, I, I just seem to think it's not water cooler conversation anymore like it used to be. Uh, you know, not that nobody's watching, but I think a lot of the luster of Monday Night Football has worn off of the fact I didn't even think about turning on the game yesterday. I was flipping around the TV channels late at night, munching on my whatever I was munching on. Yeah. Not even interested in Monday Night Football, quite frankly. St. Louis uh, Rams, Sammy Bradford and company. Actually should have took a look at them. I'd like to see him uh, in his second-year quarterback and see how he's progressing. Chance to be a pretty good NFL quarterback, but apparently the Giants beat him. But I, but I think Sunday night has become more of a marquee than Monday night. I mentioned that before. We'll see if the ratings uh, bear me out. Again, the coach of the big dog here. Phone lines open, 888-463-6748. David has one finger pointed up in the halt. Usually it's another finger. This time it's a finger I don't take quite so much offense. Yes, David. Well, no, no, no. What I was going to say is that uh, the ratings have been so spectacular for Sunday Night Football on NBC. ABC wants to take Monday Night Football back from ESPN. Interesting. Now, it obviously wouldn't happen this season, but they're like... So my instincts are correct. Sunday Night Football is becoming more marquee. Monday Night Football is... Yeah, it is. is, Well, yeah, because Monday Night Football is now on cable. Yeah. Whereas Sunday night football is on broadcast. Okay. So. Yeah, but when you say cable, it's on ESPN. Well, right. Well, right. Everybody but, that, gets... but, but, but that's still cable. Well. It's still cable. But in, in real ratings, do... how does that affect things? Broadcast TV gets significantly higher ratings than uh, cable channels. Any cable channel. Really? Yeah. yeah. Huge. Massive. Well, what percent of TVs out there now, Big Dog, do not have the basic cable where ESPN is included? Uh, I would have to say that 75% of the Mexican people that live in Aurora <laughs> don't have cable. Okay. Which is about, uh, that would be about 25,000 people right there don't have cable. So they watch Telemundo, Sabago Gigante, they watch their two channels. Mm-hmm. And, oh, okay, we'll put on Channel 7 on Monday night. We won't hear what they're saying, but we can at least watch grown men run into each other at full speed. Oh, we look, Tony Gonzalez! You know what I mean? So that's what it's about. Yeah, so the Hispanic population in immigrants there are in this country, like, like legitimately, they don't they yeah. don't get cable. There's no yeah. reason for them to spend eighty bucks a month on something they don't understand. Mm-hmm. But I thought basic cable, which is sixty four percent of households in America have either cable or satellite television. Only sixty. So only sixty four percent. As opposed to a hundred percent. Interesting. That have right. broadcast television. There you go. There you go. That means 36%, Big Dog, doing my award-winning math, uh, 36%, only 36%, or 36% are not able to get, like, an ESPN broadcast of NFL football. And if you consider this, Coach, seriously, consider this. Think about the amount of the percentage of sports that you watch that are on cable, probably 95%, easily, Coach. Legitimately, the only, like... Regular television, and I watch his football games on Sunday and the Saturday night uh, college football game. Otherwise, mm-hmm. I'm not watching any sports whatsoever on the broadcast channels. So when you have a guy, you know, that works 80 hours a week and he comes home and finally gets a football game on on Monday night, it, it doesn't matter if the guy doesn't know anything about American football, he's going to sit down and watch it. Interesting. 
And so you're talking about Sunday night. Now, the first two weeks of this year are also adding fuel to the fire. But let's honestly look at the first two matchups, and especially week two, Michael Vick going back to Atlanta. If that game was the noon game, it would have had unbelievable ratings. Okay, so that was the, the marquee game of the year so far in terms mm-hmm. of fan interest all around the world. So, okay. Okay, so but, but you are right. Uh, with this whole, just because it's on, on, uh, cause don't forget, Sunday night football used to be the ESPN thing. Sunday dun, dun, night football dun, dun, dun. Was, it was the least, uh, it was like the least, <laughs> like, exciting game of the year. It was, it was constantly a dud. There was always, there was always bad games on Sunday night football on ESPN for some yep. reason. So. Yeah, well, you know, and again, it wasn't based on ratings. It was just, and I don't want to make a big deal of it, but it just my uh, my football intuition, my instincts, just saying that Sunday night football is becoming more of a marquee thing, and the and the, the allure and the uh, the big stage presence of Monday night football, if you will, has worn off a little bit. But David Olson, your uh, um, depiction of the fact that it's on cable, that that at least is part of it. I forgot about that part. I yeah, just, but- for the for the rabid diehard football fan and uh, degenerate gambler, yep. Monday night still holds that same tradition. Okay, to trust me, it doesn't matter who's calling the game or what it's on. You know, if if you're like me, you're going to be watching football if it's on television. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, on behalf of the seventy five percent of the uh, Hispanic population in Aurora, I do apologize for that quantum leap in assumption and. Uh, Big Dog, give me a rough estimate of the 75% that do not have cable. What percent of those fine people might be listening to the TalkZone.com right now? Uh, a... I would, definitely two of them would be listening. Two <laughs> percent or just two? Just two. Just two. <laughs> uh, they're not uh, big on Internet either, though, Coach. you got to understand. What, are they in your house or uh, what? scrubbing your back right now? What are they doing? Yeah, you never know. I put probably I've been to at least thirty of the, these people's uh, restaurants. Okay. Oh my goodness, the restaurants in Aurora. I, you, can, you would, coach. It was like I'm walking through the streets of, Me- the streets of Mexico City. Mm-hmm. I, can't, I can't even explain to you that if you love Mexican food, yep. you need to. Somebody needs to. You need to go out to Aurora and spend the day, coach. Go out, gamble a little bit, walk up and down the river. You'd be surprised. And then, oh my goodness, the flan. Oh. There's a place I can tell you called Del Rio. It's so fantastic, Coach. Well, Del Rio is a, a chain, isn't it? No, no, it's no? like uh, I don't know. This ain't no chain, okay. Coach. And uh, there's a senorita that it does. She does everything there. Ah, so it's worth the trip. Wow, happy endings after the end of the burrito. No, I hate to tell you, no, Coach. Okay. But the, the flan is the happy ending. <laughs> the what? The flan. What is a flan? You don't know what flan is. I apologize, and I'm a longtime fan of Mexican food, but I'm not familiar with the flan. You of all, Mister, don't want food that sticks to you but tastes good. You got it for a dessert. Uh, it's a custard, and they they like uh, they like cook like just like the top of it. Coach, it's unbelievable. Interesting. Just like the, it, yeah, I, can't I don't know that I've ever. Time. I don't think I've ever had a dessert at a Mexican restaurant. To be honest okay, with you. Well, Every single piece in Mexican restaurant has the flan. Once so I tried, try. I think when I was 15, Big Doug, I tried the salsa yogurt, and uh, that didn't go down so well. And ever since then, I've stayed away from Mexican desserts. But the flan, huh? Yeah, uh, well, the, I guarantee you the Mexican yogurt was not a truly Mexican dessert. It was a guy from... Yes. Uh, it was a guy from Belgium who yep. knew somebody from Spain. Well, okay. some guy just screwing around with me and wanted to mix up a little old, you know... Month past its expiration date, Dan and Joker throw in some old salsa, stir it around, and you know, give the guy dessert. You were a pretty gullible kid, weren't you? Uh, actually, I was. 
I was, but I've grown up and to be a, a pretty gullible senior citizen, actually. So, you know, it's nice to know I've, I've advanced through the days, but uh, that's outstanding. Well, I, I may have to check out the – you said there's a little riverfront in Aurora, huh? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not kidding you, Coach. If you like Mexican food, and then if you like Jack Daniels, there's a place called Valley Doyle's. Mm-hmm. They have $2 Jack Daniels, you name it, on Saturday night. $2? Yes, and they also have police cars uh, that <laughs> patrol that area, and yeah. there's police officers. So you do not want to be driving home from Valley Doyle's. Yeah, so I was going to say, yeah, pulling out of the parking lot there, you probably get an escort home, huh? So yeah, it's it's that you you definitely want to and be careful. Make sure you go gamble and then go to Valley Doyle's. You don't go to Valley Doyle's and then decide to go to the to the riverboat coach. All, mm-hmm. all of a sudden you walk on, and be like, I can't believe that ATM in there let me take out five thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> this portion of the two guys at a mic show brought to you by the Aurora City Bureau of Tourism. Come visit Aurora any time of the year. We are the place. For you. Big dog and the coach. Big dog, great to have you aboard. I started off the show talking about, a, you know, we said, well, week one is when you get all the uh, injuries in NFL football, and typically it's not as bad. But, boy, the second week a lot of guys went down as well. And, uh, you know, I hate to make humor of a guy's injury, but I found it kind of humorous reading the Tony Romo quote from a coach where, you know, he's got a fractured rib and a punctured lung, and Coach Jason Garrett's uh, his final quote should be, but he should be okay for Monday's game. <laughs> oh, Punch your lung. Now, ah. when was the last time? I mean, we've seen people go hero to goat. Okay, yeah. when was the last time somebody went from goat to hero as fast as Tony Romo did? Yep. It happened in a matter of like ten minutes on Sunday. Because mm-hmm. all of a sudden he was out of the game and he was hurt, and he just basically told the coach, "Well, you either put me back in, or I'm going to start slapping people around." And after that, now everybody thinks Tony Romo is the greatest thing since. God's gift. Mm-hmm. So. I'm surprised, by the way, the story you related on yesterday's show. By the way, folks, if you missed uh, any of the shows, you go back a week, two weeks, three weeks, a month. All of our shows are archived at the twoguysmike.com website or the talkzone.com. You can go back. But the story you related yesterday of the Dallas Cowboy receiver who caught a couple of passes during the game and then caught the Huge big 72-yard. third-down catches and stuff like that. But my question is, and it, you know, it, it sent chills through my, uh, you know, 88% of my epidermis. My big dose a great story, and you can relay it real quick so people know what I'm talking about. But I haven't heard uh, any follow-up stories. I thought it might be at least mentioned in some of the Tuesday residue in the uh, sports pages. No, Coach, wait until you said uh... – you said Monday night, so the Cowboys are on Monday night football this week, you're saying, right? Yes. Okay, so they're playing the Redskins. I do that. That's the Monday night game. I guarantee dun, 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 dun. You, will be, you will be inundated with more Jesse Holly stories than you could ever imagine. ESPN, that's, that's the one thing that little turns me off. I'll, as soon as you see a player being featured, just figure out when that next player's game is. Oh, it happens to be on ESPN. Seriously? How did that coincidentally happen? It's a joke, okay, how they do that. But, yeah, so Jesse Holly will get everything you need to know about him. And, folks, this is a story that you want to know. Now, I don't know his personal story, but uh, eventually he was cut and never got a chance to play, uh, get a chance in the NFL. But he was, like, a good, like, receiver in high school. And maybe I think he went to, like, some junior college. But he never gave up his NFL dream. And Michael Irvin had a reality television show that took – uh, he was going to take a, a different number of guys, but it came down to like five guys that he thought had a shot. By the and way, I mentioned this story to my kids, and I started off by saying he was on Michael Irvin's 
reality show, and they both said, who's Michael Irvin? Just to show you the age difference, sad, sad okay, well, but true. There, well, there you go, Michael Irvin, uh, Dallas Cowboy, great number 88, Hall of Famer, wide receiver. Uh, basically was having a show, and whoever won the show was going to get a camp invitation by the Dallas Cowboys. Jerry Jones agreed to it, said no problem, and the kid makes the team. Jesse Holly won the show, and then it was kind of like a joke. Hey, we're going to – and he goes out there and makes the team, and uh, Jason Garrett, all he says about the kid is he does everything we ask of him, and we tell him he's so coachable, we tell him things one time, and it's done. We never have to say it to him again. And that's – you know, I coach, like, legitimately, when I when I hear this story, I, I mean, like, legitimately, he's my favorite cowboy of all time. No one will ever replace Jesse Holly as my favorite cowboy. It's going to be impossible. So let's, <laughs> I have a son who quarterbacks them. Because if my son's like a long snapper or something, I won't even care. I'll still root against him. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, Jesse Holly. That what a phenomenal story. One of the greatest. That truly is like the invincible story. I forget the guy's name that played so the the wide receiver uh, kick cover guy for the Eagles that played that one game. Oh, they played the one season. They made the movie about him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, can't remember either. Who uh, wasn't Matt Damon? Who played the part? The um... Yeah, the kid who, you know, yeah, yeah, right. he but was working like and he made the pros. Uh, not Marky Mark, but uh, who? Yeah, Mark Wahlberg might have done yeah, it. Mark yeah, Wahlberg. Mark Wahlberg. Mark Wahlberg yeah. played the part, and I can't remember the guy's name, but that was a I'll great story. I'll think of it by the end of the show, or yeah. hopefully Dave will look it up. But yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's basically, obviously it's the 2011 version of that story, but in a way it's kind of similar, you know, where, you know, that guy was playing like, rec league football and mm-hmm. all of those guys friends were like what you just have to go out just go out what's gonna hurt and Vermeil liked the guy's attitude so much gave him a shot and then later they're like we can't cut him we can't he's what he deserves to be out of the team so that's it's such a great story the name of the movie was invincible yes. and he played vince papali there you go yes vince papali no truth to the rumor by the way that uh curtis enos and rashan salam both tried to uh Enter the Michael Irvin show and get another shot at the NFL. We can wipe that rumor out. <laughs> well, they weren't as talented as uh, the five guys, so they couldn't make the yeah. cut. I heard Ron, Rashan Salam went under the name of Bill Jones, by the way. Uh, <laughs> outstanding. Well, we got to check that out. The Jesse Holly story. Yeah. Where have I heard that name before? 888-463-6748. It's Residue Tuesday here. Big dog, we, uh, we're so caught up in the NFL and, uh, you know, a little NASCAR racing, PGA golf yesterday. We really barely covered college football, a sport that is so near and dear to your heart. There were some great games over the weekend. Oklahoma, the number one ranked team in the country, uh, remains number one. They went into Florida State, won by 10 points. I'm going to assume you will be here to tell us uh, nothing shocking, but they are the prohibitive favorite right now. You know, I know. You, I've been saying it from day one that Oklahoma was one of those rare times where I was like, wow, this team really truly is. They think they returned everybody back from a great team of last season. And there's, if you look at their schedule, like you know, I said it whenever we did our preseason thing and we talked about Oklahoma, if, if they get past Florida State, mm-hmm. they're going to go undefeated, Coach. And Obviously, anything can happen because Oklahoma State is on their schedule. and We all know Oklahoma State either gets blown out by Oklahoma or somehow they luck out with a victory and you just shake your head and say, how did this team beat Oklahoma? But Texas is not going to beat Oklahoma. Um, I can't see anybody else. Like Texas Tech, could they throw it for 8 billion yards against Oklahoma and possibly get a win? You know, so mm-hmm. There's so few games 
that they have. I mean, it's like legitimately we're just seeing this. I think they're in the national title game. Well, at this you point, know, we're talking September. Not that I'm an expert on Oklahoma football and any of our fans out there. You want to check in a little bit of college football talk real quick here in the two guys in a mic show, 888-463-6748, the phone number, big dog. It's not like I've watched every minute of Oklahoma football, but the little bit I've seen and heard from the ball club this year is, yes, they're number one. Yes, they're dominant, but it's not like... They have these sexy superstar players. It's not like they're an electrified team. They're almost robotic-like in their goodness. They've got great team depth, and even their quarterback symbolizes that. Landry Jones is um, he's gonna he should be the you know what people, coach Andrew Luck should not automatically be assumed the number one overall pick in the in the draft because Landry Jones could be it. Yeah, he's 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 moving up in the ranks. Uh huh. But he he's similar with him. He's efficient. He's excellent, but he's not flashy, right? Yeah, I, I agree. But it's you know what? When you have receivers like like they have, I mean, it's, it's unbelievable, Coach. With Ryan's and Stills, that I mean, it's they're better than Tate and Floyd were. Remember that because that was a combo that we just shook our head. We're like, wow, what a what a combination at the college level Notre Dame had two years ago. Well, I mean, if you think about what Oklahoma has this year, it's they are incredible, and both of those guys are six three and run like the wind. It's like they're the same exact receiver. Which I'd rather have like a short, quick guy and a real big, slow guy. But mm-hmm. you know, they're like both of those guys wrapped into one. So, and then they got the the stud running back. So, by the way, their head coach uh, Bob Stoops just got signed through two thousand and eighteen for thirty four point five million dollars. So, Coach Stoops, big dog. Um, and his 16 brothers that I think are all assistant coaches will be around for a while in beautiful Norman, Oklahoma. I wonder how many percentage. Okay, so if you go to each state yep. and figure out who the highest paid member of the state employee is, and technically teachers are state, or professors of state colleges are members of that uh, work for that state. Okay, so... Like Bob Stoops is now the highest paid person from the Oklahoma government. I wonder how many of the highest highest paid members of, mm-hmm. of different governments around the country are either football coaches or basketball. If, if you're talking public figures and governmental figures, and you don't go to the private regime, you're probably right. They're probably the highest paid. Yeah. But as All Bear America, as, yeah. as Bear Bryant once said, uh, you know, I mean, you know, the teachers do the hard work and stuff, and they should get more emphasis. But you know, it's it's kind of hard to rally around a math class if you know what I mean. Yes, yes. I, I, I know what you're getting at. And then there's, there's also another thing where uh, in 1932, Babe Ruth was the first player to – obviously he didn't work for the government. He worked for the, the New York Yankees at the time. But in 1932, he became the first player to ever make $100,000 in a season. And back then, that was ungodly, Coach. Yep. Another guy didn't make $100,000 until, like, uh, Joe DiMaggio did, like – 12 years later, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? It was that long later that somebody again made $100,000. And somebody asked him, you know, how do you feel that you're making five times the amount of money that President Hoover's making? And he just turned to the guy and said, hey, I had a better year than he did. <laughs> Nicely played by the babe. Yeah, nice, excellent. Excellent. nicely played. All right, so we have a we've got a, a team that everybody's shooting for in college football. We got a clear number one. Yeah, Don't count. We do. Florida we do. State out there. They're going to be an interesting team. Uh, uh, Notre Dame did come back. They beat Michigan State thirty-one to thirteen. We mentioned Illinois' victory over ASU yesterday, seventeen fourteen. And uh, Illinois, big dog, your ball club did crack the top twenty-five. Uh, they're ranked number twenty-four now. So a little. 
prestige for the Fighting Illini. Yeah, they de- they deserve a 24 ranking. I- I'm happy with that. I- just, like, let them, uh, you know, people are complaining that Sydney should be higher and all that. I'm not even worried about any of that. If they deserve to be higher, we'll find out in, in the mm-hmm. beginning of November and, and mid-November where this team should be ranked. Yep. Offense, uh, you know, offense, still a question mark. I thought the yeah. defense and a lot of guys that I hadn't heard of, including uh, Ian Thomas and Jonathan Brown. Oh, Jonathan Brown bust out onto the national scene. Yes, you know it's it, okay. So uh, you know Verbeek was supposed to be this uh, the, the, the next Lawrence Taylor, but playing uh, middle linebacker. I will tell you this: I don't think the kid that that from Arizona State, that middle linebacker, Vante uh, Bersich. I don't. I don't think. He's uh, the 10th overall pick in the draft. I really don't think he's that dominant, but he can tackle on the open field for a guy with a butt that large. Mm-hmm. That was impressive to see. His his buttocks has got to be 46 inches around, Coach, at least. Yep. Okay, and to see him not, tackle, You know, actually not that big a guy for a middle linebacker. He's got the body of about a 190-pounder, but he's got the buttock of a 250. He does. His, his, he has got some serious ass, and to see... Him break down and tackle people in the open field. Yep. I was stunned, but I still don't think he's as great a player as everybody else. Uh, I almost but, felt like he's had problems with late hits. And uh, again, we're talking about Vante Bursich, who was a preseason first team all. I think maybe even defensive player of the year candidate. Yeah, yeah he's he's on the bucket list. He's on every list for player of the year. The, the bucket list the or the butkus list? Both. <laughs> with a butt like that, coach. <laughs> He's on some older women's bucket list, huh? Yeah, well, yes. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I almost feel, and the guy has a tendency, uh, he's kind of the Floyd, Floyd Merriweather of college football. You know, he's got a little bit of tendency for the late hits and penalties, and I felt like he was playing somewhat restricted, Big Dog, that, that some of the times he was afraid to go all out because the coaches have been on him so much for not the late hits and penalties. I think you let this guy go and roam sideline to sideline, he could be a pretty good player, and again, one of the finest left and right gluteus maximuses I've seen in a long time. Yeah, yeah, he, he has that. But let's face it, Jonathan Brown, who is basically a first-year starter for Illinois and was a question mark, and I had no idea how he was going to play until Saturday night, yep. was, wasn't an accident. He wasn't a question mark. He was an exclamation point. Coach, with three sacks, an interception, I mean, the guy was everywhere. Uh, that was that was awfully cool to see him bust out like that. Now, Ian Thomas... You know, he's he's like a all Big Ten honorable mention type player, Coach. Mm-hmm. He's, a good, he's a solid player, and it was good to see him make some plays. He always gets hurt. He re, he reminds me of Pisa Tisa Imamoa. You know, right when he got here, like they had like that same style of play, yeah. and they played the same position, and both of them had been hurt all the entire times of me as a Bears fan and Illinois fan. So if this guy can stay healthy his senior year, he could be a he could be a Big Ten player. And it looks like the defense better step up because they're all. Why does okay now they're lauding Petrino saying what a great job he's doing with the Illinois offense? They won seventeen fourteen and okay they they were able to they had a great drive to uh, win um, to finish the game off okay coach but before that my goodness show a little creativity like I say it all the time I love power offenses but if you you don't just bang your head against the wall for a quarter and a half. And then all of a sudden say, oh, no, we're trailing. They, they should have scored so many more points, but they were so ultra-conservative that that ended up basically Arizona State had a chance to get back in the game. they got to quit doing that. They could score some points. Yeah, I would agree with you. The offense still a work in progress, still a question mark. The defense I was very impressed with. Quick, mm-hmm. aggressive, and whoever's uh, not Petrino, I forget who the defensive coordinator is. You- Big Coney. 
Who? Isn't it Vicconi? Sounds good to me, but uh, they're 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 really buying into his system, playing very active. And I'll tell you another guy who uh, could step in and play for the Chicago Bears right now at a need position, and that's defensive back, and that's the kid out of East St. Louis, Illinois, Mister Terry Hawthorne. He's only a junior, but uh, I think that guy's NFL ready. He's really good. Uh, coach, quite simply, it's he's one of the, it was it's one of the most impressive uh, games that I, I've seen the kid play. When you consider that. He was the number one receiver yes. in Illinois and possibly in the country coming out of East St. Louis. Yep. And I, well, I don't want to go all that, but I, I saw the kid play and I was mystified. And then they move him to the corner and I was yep. upset about it. He's been hurt for two years. And I'm not kidding, kind of detached a little bit for Illinois football. I couldn't wait to sit down on Saturday night and watch it. And I'm, right when I sit down, I watch. And number one comes flying up on a run play to his side, beats the guard to the spot, and blows up the running back in the backfield with a perfect tackle, pops up and turns right to his teammates. And I'm like, who's number one? And then right now they're like, oh, what a play by Terry Hawthorne. And I'm like, Terry! I from, you know what I'm being told? I'm like, this, this kid, you're right, he is an NFL player. He's that explosive and talented. Yeah, he is. And I had the same reaction to you, too. After watching him play in high school, it's like, you know, this guy could be one of the great college receivers. He's an NFL receiver. Like, yo, well, what the hell are you doing? Moving him to defensive back, he was an unguardable receiver, but maybe they knew what they're doing because three years later he looks like a pretty darn good uh, defensive back. He'll be first team all Big Ten corner, which yep. right there means you get drafted in the first three rounds at the latest. Yeah, he's only a junior. Let's hope he sticks around for uh, uh, one more year. Now another Big Ten team that you've uh, you've talked about all season long, Big Doga, maybe one of the top challengers to Oklahoma, Wisconsin. Very impressive over the weekend. Northern Illinois University, not a bad team. And, folks, it was Wisconsin 49, NIU 7. They are just steamrolling opponents, Big Dog, a legit BCS contender. Coach, when you can take a power running game and then have a quarterback who can make any throw on the field, and that, by the way, he's a senior and he takes very good care of the football Right there, you have a chance to score 50 points again. I mean, like you, every, that's everything you want in an offense. Every throw, oh, and it's third and three, we can still run it on you. We can put two tight ends and a fullback on the field, pull everybody in, next you know a wide receiver's flying down the field for a touchdown. I mean, they have everything you, you want in an offense. And their quarterback, which I'm Russell Wilson, which I keep talking about all the throws mm-hmm. he can make, he can run at will. They have everything, Coach. They, they, no matter who they play in the country, and no matter where, what field, even on the road, they will have a legitimate shot at winning that game this season. How about down the road just to uh, get the palate a little bit wet for like a New Year's Day or maybe even a January 6th, 7th, 8th, whatever it might be, national championship game. Wouldn't it be fun to watch Oklahoma take on the yeah. Wisconsin Badger? Oof. If, if Wisconsin runs the table, and you've already talked about that, you, you told me there's no way LSU, you said they're going to lose more than two games. I think they'll, they'll lose two games at least. Okay. I, I think they're good enough to avoid that. But like you said, their their schedule is so unbelievable with so many pitfalls. If Wisconsin goes undefeated to Alabama and LSU or Arkansas, they could all just beat each other up. You put Wisconsin in. And, you know, Wisconsin would have a shot against Oklahoma, but legitimately they would have to score 50 points in order to beat Oklahoma. But they could, Coach. They could score 50 points if you asked them to. Mm-hmm. It'd be a, be a, be an interesting game to a lot, a lot of red in the stands as there was at Soldier Field when NIU played Oklahoma or NIU played Wisconsin, but that'd be a heck of a game to watch. Um, also on the college football front, Big Dog, I know you, uh, you know, the, the Army Navy game is an emotional 
game for you. You talk about it as one of the great Without sporting question. events, and you, you know you, you legitimately get choked up about it. And Army Navy is down the road still, but both Army and Navy this past weekend, uh, uh, you know, made their military institutions proud on the football field. Army knocking off my beloved Northwestern team, and how about Navy almost, almost beating one of the top five teams in the country, South Carolina. Great efforts by our fine military institutions. <laughs> Let's just say that if Marcus Lattimore doesn't play one of his top three or four games since he's been in college, I know this was the most yards he ever ran for, but uh, that game against uh, Georgia last season was just uh, like just ridiculous. That's his greatest game ever. But Coach, if he doesn't put South Carolina on his back, and this is the best player in the country, mind you, Navy ends up winning that football game. I think when he... He carried the ball 39 times. 246 yards, three touchdowns. He's a leading non-quarterback candidate for the Heisman. And, folks, he's only a sophomore, Marcus Lattimore, out of uh, South Carolina. If, if somebody says to you before Marcus Lattimore gets on the South Carolina campus, Coach, and says to you, you know, Steve Spurrier is going to have a running back that he gives the ball to 30 times a game on numerous occasions. You would say, what did they, what is Herschel Walker, like, <laughs> go back in time? I mean, how would you ever think that Spurrier would let a running back be the whole entire focus of an offense? The whole, they play action off them. Everything is off the market, Flatimore. The whole entire playbook right now for Destroying the whole Steve Spurrier throw it up and at him uh, playbook. But, uh, they're awfully good right now. South Carolina top five team, but barely got over Navy. I forget the coach of Navy. Ken Nakahoma. Not to Rama. No, that's right. That's right. The one that took over for Paul Johnson. Yeah, I'll tell you what, this this guy is an outstanding coach. And you look at the players Navy recruits, Big Dog, and the kind of players that South Carolina recruits, you know, five-star, four-star against maybe Navy gets one or two four-stars, a bunch of threes, and they'll turn some twos into players too. So big differences in recruiting. And Navy had the ball. Down three, driving in the final minute of the game. They almost pulled it off. Hats off to my guy, Ken Nakahura. You know, you're exactly right, Coach. If you had Marcus Lattimore stand with his shirt off and Navy's three-technique tackle stand with their shirt off, you wouldn't be able to tell uh, <laughs> who was the defensive tackle yeah. if you didn't know who was who. Honestly, because you got – I mean, they got their defensive line averages 250 pounds. I mean, how did, I mean they play Division One football, and that's how they're going at people. By the way, so, my, speaking of the three-technique, my Northwestern uh, team that lost to Army, whoever the – Three technique guy was in the defensive line for Northwestern was two technique short last Saturday. Well, all he has to do is tackle the fullback. That's what the three technique does. Tackle the fullback. That's your job. So I guess uh, yeah. Army's fullback went crazy then, Coach, huh? Yeah, something like that. Okay. A- at any rate, you know, if you're going to lose, lose an Army, not such a bad thing. And Navy's, I thought their performance was... Uh, Phenomenal. I'm with you, yep. Coach. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. And by the way, I remember I told you the week last week, I can always pick up. What's going to be a great game, and it was a game nobody was talking about. I said, Iowa-Pittsburgh, Pitt at Iowa, is going to be a heck of a game. And that might have been, uh, again, not from a national perspective, might have been might have the best games of the Saturday Big Doe with Iowa coming back with a late touchdown. But that was a great battle as well. Now, in between my morning and afternoon tours, see, I was able to get home right at 6 o'clock to start watching Illinois, but I had an hour in between. I ran over to Augustino's coach, and I get myself some up. Uh, and one of those Italian oven grinders, and as I'm, they give me the remote control, so I get to control all the TVs in there when I go in. It's one of those things. Instead mm-hmm. of hearing me bitch, like here, just go take it, take it. <laughs> okay. So uh, nobody seems to 
mind, though, because while I'm sitting there eating my lunch, I point out to the whole entire party, hey, watch this game, everybody. And then they, oh, my God, you know, they, then they go back to, you know, <laughs> that's what I do every every Saturday now. Yeah. And uh, so, but I'm up there and I start laughing. Yeah, Coach, yeah, that's the game of the week. It's, it's, it's 24 to 3, you know, like what Pittsburgh's killing them. I said, I'll come back, they won? Oh, the coach is right again. We yeah, get- that was the game of the weekend, Coach. <laughs> We got to get a gig, big dog, at like a large sports bar on a Saturday, with lots of college games going on. You know, you'll be, you'll be the star, and I'll be like ringmaster Ned, just trying to rein you in on occasion. But I could see you, uh, you know, moderating, not interfering with the fans' enjoyment, but kind of talking about each game, directing their attention to a particular game, entertaining the fans a little bit, drinking a couple of cold ones with them. And again, I'll be there as your. Uh, you know, your ringmaster, Ned, just to make sure you uh, behave yourself and, and keep things under control. Now, uh, what you got to do is, why don't we do it uh, a Saturday at a place called Harrigan's, Coach? Okay. That's the place where I, I squared off with the six foot six, 300-pound dude named Seamus was he over a, the Notre, Ga- Notre was Dame a, game. Was he a three-technique or four-technique? No, that, that dude was, uh, he was a left out. He was one of those guys acting like he played at Notre Dame <laughs> and had never played. And I called him out on it. So that's basically what happened. But okay. we got to go there. They have $2 past Blue Ribbon, Woo! which I know people are like, what? I swear to wow. you, it is the finest of all, uh, like, least expensive beers. And check this out. There's this place called Select Cut. It's, you know what, I'm sure you've heard of a coach. It's on, uh, it's on Halstead, just north of Diversity. It's a, Actually, a I think I might have gone to that place uh, between job when I lost my health care uh-huh. and I needed a minor operation. I think I went to that place. Select Cut? Yeah, Select it's not, Cut. It's not okay. out in Lombard, is it? No, it's in it's in uh, Lincoln Park in Chicago. All right. All right. Okay. The one I went to, by the way, I wouldn't recommend, but this one's better? Yeah, actually, now that I think about this, this would be Lakeview because it's just north <laughs> of Diversity. Okay. okay. Well... Anyway, this place selects like, everybody raves about all their food, how good the meat is there. Well, I go to this place called Harrigan, and this is before uh, Seamus comes in and wants to fight the whole world. Who's... And I order a hamburger, and it comes in from a guy in the street. Ends up, there's like eight bucks for this hamburger. It was phenomenal. And the guy's like, you like the hamburger? <laughs> well, I'm glad you like it here because it's $20 in the, in the place next door. <laughs> so uh, you got to come over there and eat their hand. Coach, these hamburgers are unbelievable. <laughs> this is exactly what we're going to have. There's televisions everywhere. And okay. uh, most importantly, like the guy who has no problem. Right when I walk in, he knows. Just hand me the remote. Let's do it. Let's let's give it a try one Saturday. I think it'd be fun. I'm sure we can get producer extraordinaire David Olson down there as well. We'll make it a two guys at a mic party and um Yeah, it'd be fun. Couple of cold ones, do the college football games. We'll have we'll have a good old time. Yeah, it sounds really good, Coach. It sounds good. We'll, we'll and we can we, some party special. Maybe like at halftime we can lead everybody in the bar a rendition of eight J double R I G A N spells Harrigan. What's that from? Music man? Um, You've heard that though, right, Dan? You've never heard that? That's a famous song from a musical. I had a girlfriend in high school, and I'm sure Dave did too. Huh? We had girlfriends in high school, Coach. Well, I missed that. What about your girlfriends in high school? Because like, like the guys that didn't have girlfriends would try to get them by like joining like uh, like uh, the choir and stuff. I have no idea what that has to do with it, but I'm telling you, anybody out there who could support me here, I feel like I'm out on an island by myself. I'm telling you, H-A-R-R-I-G-A-N spells Harrigan. That's, I think it's the music man, but it's a famous song from a famous musical. 888-463-6748. Anybody out there, God forbid, wants to support me, uh, I would much, much appreciate it. Thank you very much. Please. Somebody help coach.
<laughs> All right, big dog, uh, that kind of review. Any other college football things? Because we got to get on to some other topics. But uh, a solid week three of Saturday football. Yeah, yeah, there was. And there's uh, now it's really we're going to get a lot more conference play this week. A few early conference games like, like Florida and Tennessee always like – play a little bit earlier than most other conference teams do, and, and Florida destroyed them. Mm-hmm. Well, Tennessee made it a little close. I'm pulling for Tennessee this year because I like their coach. But one thing I just want to throw have you seen this kid Chris Rainey of, uh, of Florida play yet, Coach? not. Quarterback? Tailback. Tailback. He had two receptions for 104 yards, Coach, and I am not kidding you, the touchdown that he had, right when you would have seen it, your eyes would have been glued to the TV, and you're going to be like, you have to find out who the kid is. That's how fast he is. And after I found out about it, he's the fastest kid in college football by, like, uh, 900. Chris Rainey. Is this the kid who passed up Northwestern and decided to go to Florida? Yeah, yeah, it was, it was, yeah exactly. <laughs> uh, he he liked, uh, liked the education better at Florida, he said. <laughs> they had a good sociology program, is that your telling me? <laughs> exactly. Which Northwestern exactly. was not able to offer. The tutors were a lot hotter at Florida. <laughs> Well, at least we took a shot. We did offer, I think, though. Yeah. You know, yeah. We, we gave him an offer. Hey, by the way, you mentioned, uh, you know, watching the game between your tours on the uh, the river, regular listeners of the program, no big dog. Summer job into early fall is giving, uh, uh, I keep wanting to say architectural, historical tours on the Chicago River via the kayak. I don't know if you're aware or not, but in today's paper, dog, uh-huh. you need to go on and get yourself a, a Chicago tribute because Rahm Emanuel, yesterday, talking about a major push for the Chicago River. He's been doing that for a while, but what they're going to do is put in some boat stations at three or four different locations to increase traffic on the Chicago River, and he even specifically mentioned the kayak and the kayak tour. So I don't know if that's – I couldn't decide if that's good for your company or bad, but uh, make sure you read the paper today because Rahm Emanuel, big money push. Big publicity push for building up the Chicago River. They're going to add, I think, four what he calls boat stations. They're going to build them. Okay. Is that, is that a good thing or a bad thing, or are you not sure yet? That's a, that's a real good thing because I, you can take this as you will, Coach. People need to come out, and everybody, all my friends that have come out to these, do these tours this year have been blown away by the tour that I give. Nobody is going to be able to give the big dog tour, Coach. Mm-hmm. Okay, like I get people laughing, like like in their kayaks. Okay, have you ever seen a guy start jiggling in a kayak and then almost hit <laughs> it? I mean, seriously. Hopefully, he's not overweight. So, no, the, yeah, the jiggling guys, there you are. So, I'm not worried about that, and I don't own the company. And, I, and to be quite honest with you, I, I really know how to. I I would know how to run this, and I would know how to make a freaking killing. I've got a friend that is would know how to do those. He's a, I'm going to have to get involved and try to own one of these things, quite simply, Coach. Big dog, already, already jumping shit. A million a year, year, easily. Interesting. Think about it. These people pay $50 a head to go out there. Mm -hmm. Okay, so if you get 20,000 people throughout the year, okay, and then all the rentals, it's it's, it's so much easier than you might think. I mean, legitimately, over a seven-month period. Keep an eye on things. There there could be some new opportunities coming your way. I don't want to, you know... I just, yeah, I need somebody, I need someone to back it because I have a whole formula and you see what they do is you sell these things before, you, you go ahead and moving social, you go on all these different uh, websites, coach, and you mm-hmm. sell all of your uh, stuff pre-sold for half price. But now you have a gigantic lump sum of money for you to work the whole entire year on. So that's the beauty mm-hmm. about internet marketing now that you could legitimately mm-hmm. take money in 
even though you don't have a product, and now you have the ability to go out and start a business. Okay. You don't even need loans nowadays. Now you just need a great idea and the ability to put it in front of everybody at a great price and have them buy it before you even actually start servicing it. Small marketing expert Joel Rodwanski joining no, I don't us know here. Anything. <laughs> the two guys in a mic show. Phone lines are open at 888-463-6748. The one negative when I read that, though, is I'm a little worried you'll be giving tours in the future and there'll be, like, traffic backups. Yeah, there will be. They may have to put, like, red lights in. You'll have, you know, one-way passing lanes and stuff. It'll be like the highway all of a sudden, the Chicago River. So, you know, uh, that place is so much fun. It's so much cleaner than people think it is. Yeah. That, uh, I'm not, yeah, I'm not worried about that. I, mm-hmm. You have to respect everybody out there. Now, there's going to be canoe kayak accidents. I guarantee you. There's going to, so you get, if you don't know what you're doing out there and you're out there by yourself, stuff can happen. So that's yep. the only thing I'm worried about is, Next year, there's all types of traffic out there, and somebody gets hurt, or the whole kayak business goes, you know, crazy, or, you know, something happens to it because some idiot does something bad. Hopefully, it doesn't happen at our company. Be afraid. Be very afraid. I always tell young kayakers to uh, be careful. Really, kayaking should only be done in the comfort of your own home, Big Dog, just to be safe. Thank you very much. Uh, all right, we got some uh, baseball to get to and NASCAR, uh, Big Dog. Uh, the NASCAR race yesterday, of course, uh, the first of the Nextel Cup right here in the Chicagoland area. It beautiful uh, Chicagoland Motor Speedway in lovely Joliet, Illinois. Not that far. Not that far from your location. I don't know if you got out there or not, but pretty good race. And uh, Tony Stewart wins it. Your guy, Kevin Harvick, a very close second place. But Monday racing in Joliet. You know, Coach, that's one of my favorite things. I root for rain on Sunday so I can actually watch the, the NASCAR race on Monday because I'm not going to watch that over football. But every time I watch a race from start to finish, I thoroughly enjoy it. Well, this time, Tony Stewart, who I can't stand, beats my guy Kevin Harvick. Tony Stewart <laughs> was right about to run out of gas, too. Uh-huh. And to make things, to make matters worse, Coach, one of the few races all year that I get to watch they make Tony Stewart the onboard like uh, interview guy. Oh, brother! So because they usually pick one guy, and at any time he can just switch on and start talking. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so while he's he's like, oh, Tony Stewart, yeah, I got a great car. I don't want to hear Tony Stewart talking about how great his car is. It's the last thing I wanted to hear. I have to say, one of the least enjoyable. That was the least enjoyable race I've ever yeah, watched in my entire just, life. Just think how much fun it would have been if if you could have heard Tony uh, Stewart run out of gas. Now, that would have been, been cool. Good. That would have been pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. By the way, 42, I think they were expecting, you know, those that say on oh, NASCAR, you know, not that many people interested. 78,000 were anticipated on Sunday. Obviously not as big crowd, but on a Monday workday, big dog, 42,000 people at 11 o'clock in Joliet. That's pretty impressive, yeah. I think. Yeah, that's yeah, that's that's pretty good. That's not like Talladega where you get half a million people. You know, but they wanted to bring... They wanted to bring it to Chicago, so that's that's what they get. They get small crowds of forty-two thousand people. Small. Mm-hmm. On a Monday at eleven o'clock, forty-two thousand. I think that's pretty good. What percent of the forty-two thousand do you think were playing hooky from work and/or school? Uh, hopefully, all of them. Got to have a little fun. Get a little let loose every once in a while. So. Uh, mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, that's. Uh, all right, very good. Uh, one thing we did not get to, and again, it's Residue Tuesday here, picking up things from the weekend that was one-hour sports talk show. Very tough to to catch up. We still got the Emmy Awards to talk about as well. But baseball, some interesting things happening, Big Dog, over the weekend, Tampa Bay. 
Tampa Bay, the Devil Ray. Don't call me the Buccaneers just yet. Three out of four of the Boston Red Sox. Now, they were off yesterday, and the Red Sox won, but they beat Boston three out of four, and they're closing the gap. We have a legit wild card race in the American League. Yeah, it's uh, that has been absolutely phenomenal. What about the Red Sox yesterday playing a softball game? 18-9. do every time John Lackey pitches. Uh, that's uh, they went eighteen to nine. Yep, that's that's unheard of in a in a division race. If you think about it, uh, they might have to win a couple more games that score in order for them to to, to keep the Rays mm-hmm. from going up. Because if you look at the Rays and the and the Red Sox, yes, the Red Sox have a better lineup. The Rays have better fielding and obviously much much better pitching right now. Mm-hmm. Looks like. Um... Looks like uh, the Angels are not going to be able to catch Texas Rangers. They're just not getting enough wins. They lost two out of three to Baltimore. But over the National League, the Giants have now won eight in a row. They're closing a little bit on the Diamondbacks. But the big interest, big dog, is uh, the Atlanta Braves, who were just coasting, playing really good baseball all season long, a clear wild card team. Uh, all of a sudden, they've, I think, lost seven of 11. The St. Louis Cardinals are hot. Yesterday, the Braves lose. The Cardinals win again. Two and a half games all of a sudden. St. Louis and St. Tony La Russa in Nantes. Uh, yeah, as a matter of fact, St. Anthony, Tony La Russa, the Abner Doubleday, the guy who invented the game of baseball, <laughs> he was getting interviewed yesterday, and uh, and it was at the end of the game, and he was, he was like, oh, yeah, we try to try to make ground up, you know, gotta take them one at a time. And next you know, you hear in the background, like people erupting with joy and they were show they did like the time splice. It was right when Martin Prado hit the walk off home run off of Craig uh Kimball mm-hmm. of uh, of the Atlanta Braves, so the Braves just blew the game. Yep. Two outs what by happened? the way. Two outs in the bottom of the ninth. Yeah, Emil Bonifacio hits a uh, like a two hopper to Chipper Jones who and he lost the ball in the light. How often do you hear a ground ball being lost in the lights? But it happened at Players Shark Joe Robbie Land Mass Stadium, right? I don't forget what they call that thing right now. Okay. <laughs> and so the the runner decides the next guy, Bart Prado, hits the home run, and Craig Kimbrell, who has been unhittable for about two months, blows the save. And all of a sudden, LaRusso is like, why is everybody screaming? And then somebody says to him, uh, Martin Prado just hit a walk-off to, to beat the Braves. Wow. He's like, he did, and he's just like sitting there smiling. It was pretty cool. You know, and that's cool. the kind of game that can get in your minds, too. And again, the Atlanta Braves just played beautiful baseball. Beautiful baseball. They really have all year long, but all of a sudden, the last two weeks, the wheel's coming off a little bit, but a loss like that, dog, where you had it won, and like you said, Chipper Jones makes the, you know, the rare error and then the home run. That can get in your head, and uh, watch out. St. Louis could catch the Bravos. And, you know, it also puts into perspective, you know, these guys pay close attention. So just say, uh, just say that, you know, Martin Prado pops up and the game's over with. And they're three and a half game backs. Okay, the difference between three and a half and two and a half, obviously at this short in the season, is pretty huge. Yep. But the mental thing of going from three and a half to two and a half and the way it happened, yep. the way they erupted, two and a half doesn't feel like anything now. It's only three days to them. They're mm-hmm. like, we're going to win three in a row, they're going to lose three in a row. They truly believe it. Right now, that's they 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 need our, our guy. Uh, what's his name? Yars Jurgens to pitch another um, shutdown game and close the gap a little bit. Uh, and he hasn't been shut down lately. Mm-hmm. You know that that's the problem. You know Tim Hudson really has been the only uh, like quality starter in in and out for them this year. By the way, you mentioned Saint Anthony and Tony Larusa thinking he is the uh, Abner Double Day of baseball. Um, you know he was a little upset at first that the Moneyball movie is being made. 
you know, why are they making a movie out of Billy Bean and Moneyball? But Tony wasn't so mad because he he actually thought the movie a long time ago starring Ben Kingsley, uh, Gandhi. He thought that was about him. Oh, really? Yeah. That's nice. Yeah. You know, LaRusso would look good in the robe, by the way. I can see him in it. Yeah. By the way, speaking of robes, you're going to be on Skype starting when? Tomorrow? Well, uh, no, not tomorrow. It was supposed to be today, but okay. for some reason, me trying to sign into Skype today did not okay. work out. And, and but, they're trying to sell me stuff. I'm like, why can't I? I don't even get me started with this. this. All right. But hopefully in the near future, uh, we won't be able to only hear your voice, but we'll be able to see you up close and hopefully not too personal. Well, oh, yeah, and just to let you know, between, like, October 3rd to the 6th, Coach, yes, I'm actually going to South America to help uh, rebuild a dam that has broken. Excellent. So, October uh, 3rd to 6th. I'm to help people out. Okay, yep. that's excellent. Well, make sure you remind so, us when you get closer like, to why are we going so late if this dam is broken? They're like, oh, don't worry, they're used to the disaster, so mm-hmm. we'll see. Oh, that's a, that's a lovely thought. Mm-hmm. All right, and finally, we got to mention as the show's winding down again, you want to check in. That's time maybe to sneak in one call if you want. 888-463-6748, the phone number. By the way, nobody called in to back up my H-A-R-R-I-G-A-N spells Harrigan, but that's all right. I'm, I'm still going to prove myself right. Uh, we got to mention a big record set yesterday, Big Dog. Mario Mariano Rivera got his 602nd save, all-time history of baseball, the greatest save leader, 602. He passed up uh, Trevor Hoffman. Okay, I'm going to. I'm throwing out some great numbers here, Coach. Think about this: only these three players in the history of baseball, no one else has brought this up, broke a major all-time record when they were still in their prime. Now, Mo definitely at the end of his prime, but he's got 43 saves this year in less than a two ERA. Normally, when you break an all-time record, you're like Pete Rose. Hitting 237 with yep. one homer on the season. Do you know what I'm getting at, Coach? Mm-hmm. Well, Ricky Henderson broke Lou Brock's record and then won an MVP. Okay, uh, Babe Ruth became the all-time home run leader and then hit another 400, you know, in his life. So obviously he was still in his prime. And Mariano Rivera breaks a record that no one's going to break his record. I-, I can't even imagine when his record's going to be broken. But if you think about it, hes I know he's 41. But his ERA is below two, okay? And it's not like he goes out there and labors. If you told me he pitched for another four seasons, I would actually believe Cub, it. Cub fan Charlie just emailed in and said, tell Joel if Carlos Marmol pitches till he's 73, he'll break it. Not bad, Coach. If you, keep that, if you get that slider over. He's got a point. Yes. Yeah. Doesn't put that much wear and tear on the arm. No, he doesn't, yes. Yeah, he, it's not like he ever he, – he's always one, two, three. He doesn't let, like wear out the inning, Coach. He doesn't never throws more than eight pitches in an inning. Only that. five – Rivera's going to be a first-team Hall of Famer, no question about the best yeah. that has ever done it. Only five full-time bullpen reliever guys have ever made the Hall of Fame. Big deal. Rattle off the, all five real quick. Oh, I would have to say Hoyt Wilhelm. Bing! Goose Gossage. Bing! Uh, Bruce Suter. Bing. Oh, uh, Raleigh Fingers. Bing. And oh, last guy took a while, but he finally got in. Local connection of some sorts. Those are not boos you're hearing. Those are Goose Gossage. There you go. Uh, I, I said Goose Gossage already. What? Who's the fifth one? Yeah, Goose. I said all five. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I got. It. 
Wait, well, or did, he, did he say goose already? Yeah, I said goose already. Oh, I'm sorry. All right, then the fifth one, you got to think uh, mustache, local connection, started off as a starter. Dennis Eckersley. There you go. Yeah, okay. Sorry about that. Yeah, no, that's, yeah, that's all right. That's all right. Yeah, and Dennis Eckersley is in the Hall of Fame for what he did as a, as a reliever. Even though, think about it, he won about 150 games as a mm-hmm. starter, threw a no-hitter, and was like a real good pitcher. Mm-hmm. I, I love his story. They made him a reliever, so he quit drinking every day. <laughs> so he had to perform so, every day? It's so true, because uh, he would never drink on days before he pitched, but he would drink, like, till he got fall down, Kyle, uh, Kyle Farnsworth drunk every night. <laughs> so, so, they, okay. so they knew he really wanted, he had pride and wanted to pitch well, so they made him a reliever, and he didn't know when he was going to pitch, so he quit drinking. He was a guy who truly loved baseball more than alcohol. Inter- a unique strategy, but uh, it worked. Yeah, it worked yeah. indeed. Doll, we got to sun- we, we got to wrap it up, big fella. Are you uh, you're good the rest of the week, my friend? Yeah, I'll, I'll, hopefully I'll be great the rest of the week, but I definitely will be good. <laughs> That's outstanding. All right, big dog and the coach back at it at ten o'clock tomorrow, folks. Thank you so much for listening, David Olson, producer extraordinaire on the other side of the glass. Great job as per always. Ten o'clock tomorrow. Don't be late. Have a great day, everybody.